0: You are listening to the Girl on Book Action Anthology Edition.
1: Now, with more speaking and less reading. Since you haven't heard our voices before, I'm Doomwench, your mighty purveyor of bookish knowledge,
0: and I'm Wren. I write movie reviews. Hi, this is Tidra. I review cute boys for the Girl on Book blog. You may be
1: wondering why we're talking to you this week instead of hiding behind our giant walls of text. And let me just say this: it's all Wren's fault. Why don't you explain to the people, Wren?
0: Well, some of you may have heard my recent appearance on the Halloween special, episode 87, of the critically acclaimed Sarcastic Voyage podcast, which I was totally invited to because of my comedic skills, and not because my husband and good friend run it. During the course of that show, while liberally and irritatingly plugging this very blog, I may have mentioned that Doom Wench reviewed Lovecraft Unbound. Um, <clears throat> She, uh, she hasn't. I hope this would slip by, people, but it really, really didn't. So I stayed late here at the Girl on Book Action offices to write a review as punishment for my mistake. But my punishment didn't end there. Doom Wench didn't trust me with her column and stood over my shoulder, making me take dictation of her thoughts on Lovecraft Unbound. We take media accuracy very seriously here, apparently, and between the two of us, the review got so long we decided to record it rather than making you poor folks read the whole thing. Fortunately, the subject matter was really easy to get through. Ever since Ed Doomwench purchased this book over a year ago, it's been making its ever more and more crumpled way through the ranks of our friends, each one of us reading it and then going out to purchase our own copies. All of us have found a handful of new authors to love, I mean ones besides Caitlin R. Kiernan, thanks to this collection. So please enjoy my public shaming, that is, our Lovecraft Unbound review.
1: Ah, Lovecraft Unbound. You wouldn't believe how difficult it was to divide up these stories, nor would you believe the immense pressure of picking my two favorites. There were too many good pieces from which to choose. Alas, I did narrow it down after some haggling with Wren. The first story I want to talk to you about is Amanda Downham's A Tenderness of Jackal's. Before coming across her work in this anthology, I'd never heard of the author. But this tale pulled me in and held me in its grip like a velvet-lined vice. Some of the references to Ghoul's and Warren's were, to me, reminiscent of Caitlin R. Kiernan's novels. The setting evoked a long history of murder, atrocities, and serial killer Fritz Harmon, who I've had occasion to read a bit about in the course of my research on vampires. Downham presented a realistic setting, and then, through the character of Gabriel and the wolves in the shadows urging him on to hunt and kill, she added a wonderfully realized element of the uncanny. I came away feeling haunted and wary of the shadows on a cold night.
0: Like the woman said, picking just two stories from this collection was none too easy. We both kept saying things like, ooh, ooh, this this one is one of the strongest stories in the book. But we said that about mm, 15 of them, and there's only 20 stories in the book. Despite the challenge presented to us by the overall excellent of the stories, Mongoose by Sarah Monette and Elizabeth Bear and The Crevice by Dale Bailey and Nathan Ballingrud, made the biggest impression on me. The Crevice captured one of my favorite things about Lovecraft. And I mean, besides making fun of him for being a really weird guy who was afraid of women, and that is the sense of forbidding isolation. There are few people besides Lovecraft who've really made me buy that all humans are totally unimportant and surrounded by a universe that is vast, uncaring, and filled with things that can't that we can't possibly understand. In the crevice, we follow a group of Arctic adventurers who've been out on the ice long enough to hate each other. I think for me that'd take about ooh ten minutes. AND these guys are dealing with one of these unknown monsters. It's a lonely and frightening story that's wormed its way into my subconscious and stayed there. It's pretty well given me nightmares.
1: Second, and following up on the theme of cold, isolated places, I've chosen Cold Water Survival by Holly Phillips, another name with which I was not familiar prior to reading Lovecraft Unbound. For me, this story is what At the Mountains of Madness could or should have been, rather than the somewhat dull slog that it actually is. I will freely admit that it's one of my least favorite Lovecraft tales. You may tar and feather me if you like. There is a tangible sense of the madness of explorers in here, and a seeping cold that hits you as you read about these people living on a huge iceberg and finding something in the ice. I don't want to tell you much more than that, because you really have to read it to get the atmosphere, that sense of cosmic dread that Lovecraft was so good at portraying in his best stories, which also permeates
0: through Philip's piece. Mongoose is less obviously a Lovecraftian story. Sure, there are giant pulsing horrors and some excellent sci-fi elements, but this could have easily been in a non-Lovecraft collection, and I mean that in the best way possible. I didn't read this thinking, oh, well, they swiped that from the Dunwich Horror. Uh, I see what they're doing there. I read it instead thinking, what a surprisingly charming story with a great use of language and culture. In this story, we're on a space station that's been infested with trans-dimensional monstrosities, and our main characters are the exterminator and her highly intelligent pet. I certainly didn't immediately connect to this story because of my love for dangerous and adorable animals. At all. It alludes heavily to Alice in Wonderland in a way I haven't seen before, which is damn difficult because those books are about as heavily referenced as anything can be, and the world-building in particular was impressive, particularly for such a short story. I've since checked out both authors responsible for this story and I've fallen in love with Elizabeth Baer. In fact, I believe that Doomwench has as well. Unfortunately, I found Manette's solo work to be insufferable and dull. Now um, at this point we agreed to stop talking about things we like and moved on to some of the stuff in this collection that wasn't as good, but I just can't stop there. So despite uh, being able to hear Doomwench's glare through the micro- through the through the headsets here, I'm going to talk briefly about my two runners-up. A couple of stories attempted to make Lovecraft funny and failed spectacularly. Come Lurk With Me and Be My Love by William Browning Spencer is the only one that really managed it. It was both lighthearted and disgusting. The Din of Celestial Birds by Brian Evanson was another well-done piece that captured the Lovecraftian theme of hopelessness. Along with being beautifully written, it had the feeling of impotence against forces beyond our control that shouts Lovecraft at its best. Do
1: you see what I have to put up with? Fine. I'll also talk about my runners-up. Joyce Kara Oates' Commencement was a great spectacle of a story and for a good part of it, you're waiting for the world it presents to shift into the unheimlich and it's satisfying when it finally happens. The other piece I've chosen to mention is In the Black Mill by Michael Chabon, which for me evoked the best of Lovecraft's depictions of Innsmouth, a city where the inhabitants don't seem quite right and the protagonist is left attempting to unravel the mystery that starts to gnaw at him. The more he learns, the greater the feeling of dread. It was really well done and stuck
0: me, stuck with me for a good while." Despite the superlative nature of these stories, there were certainly a few stinkers. I've yet to read an anthology where every story was a winner. And Catch Hell by Laird Baron was not a winner. It was the story of a woman dealing with her warlock husband, and while that idea isn't bad in and of itself, I have seen it done in more than one 80s and 90s horror anthology shows like, you know, The Outer Limits. Um, actually in, this includes the infamous Merlin Shop of Mystery, which was done by um, Mystery Science Theater. Um, The story has some all-right atmosphere, but it's way too long for such a simple idea. And for a story about revenge, it doesn't really have teeth. Uh, Finally, you'll see the dramatic twist coming like three pages in, and you have to wait another 30 to get there. And actually, it's the same twist from the aforementioned MST3K movie.
1: For me, one of the few that seemed to miss the mark was The Office of Doom, which is an awesome title, but not an awesome story by Richard Bowes. Don't get me wrong, I see the potential for a very potent narrative in it, but that potential is never realized. The attempt at the humor in it fell flat, and in my mind the shortcomings are focused on one important fact. Bose leaves all the wrong things unexplained and gives us explanations and details about things that really detract from what the thrust of the story should have been, both in terms of making it funny and giving it that sense of pervasive dread that I associate with Lovecraft-inspired works.
0: Now, for those of you cupcakes who've been reading the blog for a little while, you know that Doomwench and I are ridiculous Caitlyn R. Kiernan cheerleaders.
1: Me more than you, of course. Of course. I would happily have babies
0: with her books. Really, I would. And, you know, in order to cut that particular baby in half... um... And keep us
1: from fighting a gruesome duel to the death, we've decided to share the honor of discussing what I will, with great confidence, state is the best
0: story in the collection. My favorite is Still Mongoose. Uh, But it is in the top five of my favorite uh, Caitlin R. Kiernan short stories, and that's saying something because Caitlin R. Kiernan writes a really good short story. Uh, In this, she juggles what to show and what to keep mysterious better than I've seen her do in almost all of her other works. And like in her earlier work, this is very Lovecraftian in the very best way.
1: I think the voice is also one of her strongest to date, and the narration really draws you into the story. I was really keenly interested not only on the uncanny elements of the story, but in the characters, both the narrator and the the half-mad Jacoba Angevine. There's a sense of personality to both of them. Kiernan creates a very compelling story.
0: Tidro, you've been awful quiet. Do you have anything to add before we finish up? Lovecraft was not really cute at all. So uh, that's about all we've got to say about Lovecraft Unbound, which, uh, as it turns out, is quite a lot. And you can expect to hear our voices again the next time we find
1: an anthology we can agree on.
0: That was the Girl on Book Action Anthology Edition, copyright 2010. If you like what you heard, go check out our blog at girlonbookaction.blogspot.com. It's updated weekly and has pictures.